This is the Artisan CEO Podcast, Season 2, Episode 8. On this episode, we'll be talking about email lists. They seem to be spoken about as an absolute necessity for small business owners. So today we're going to be exploring whether or not it's a good fit for you, talking through the purpose of a list and what to do once you've actually got one so that you can decide whether or not it's time for you to start collecting email addresses from your audience members. Welcome to the Artisan CEO, where the art of photography meets the business of profits. This is where strategy and craftsmanship coexist so that you can run a creative business that supports a life you love. I'm your host, Abby Grace, and I promise to give it to you straight. I have this series of memories that I call put a pin in it moments, and they are moments in time that I can point to a specific incident where things changed dramatically for the better. Um, and it's usually business related. It's like if you you think about like a crime drama when they're trying to figure out who, like what's the connecting factor in all of these different cases and you look at the board in the in the police room and it's got all the pictures and the articles and there's red yarn connecting them Um, and like when you find something significant you put a pin in the yarn and you stick it to an article or a picture this is kind of like that but like in a positive way not like a serial killer type of way (laughs) so this is one of those memories so back in May of 2015 I thought my business was dying and it all came back to this one weekend We had just released two upcoming dates for in-person workshops. We released them on a Friday. And after 72 hours come Monday, I had only sold one seat. And I was really confused because my last two in-person workshops had both sold out in a matter of days. We changed a few things, though. So there were several contributing factors with that May of 2015 release. First of all, I increased the price of the workshop. Um, And secondly, we had announced two upcoming dates. In the past, we'd only ever released one date at a time. And so it was like, either take this one or leave it, but you don't have any other choice. Either sign up for this one or you don't know when the next one's going to be. And with this specific weekend in May of 2015, we released two dates. So there was less urgency because there was more supply. And as a result, there was less demand. But I think the biggest culprit here and the reason that we went 72 hours and only sold one registration was that I only announced the dates on my blog and on my social media. I didn't have an email list at the time. And when Matt and I sat down for dinner with our friends, Caitlin and Michael Alsup, the first thing that Caitlin said was, oh, Abby, you need an email list. We had no reliable way to reach our followers. I was counting on loyal blog followers to see the announcement and when they were catching up on their daily reads because I had a pretty consistent readership at the time. And I expected a couple of Facebook and Instagram posts to point enough people to the blog that I could fill all my seats. I wasn't even like running ads on Facebook. All I was doing was being like, come to the blog and see the announcement. So I wasn't even selling directly from Instagram or Facebook. Now, I own my blog. That's my own virtual real estate. But I do not own my Facebook or my Instagram audiences. Those are, and neither do you for that matter. Those are essentially rented eyeballs. It's a presence that has built been built on somebody else's property because we were offering products that anybody could purchase a seat to a workshop it wasn't like an application type funnel that we do with my brand shoots because of that I needed a more reliable way to reach out and and reach our entire audience at one time to place those products in front of the people who I knew wanted to see it and the thing here that was missing was an email list 
So an email list is a form of internal marketing. You're selling your products or your services to an existing audience who have said that they want to hear from you. And one of the biggest benefits of a newsletter is that it is a much warmer audience than like a passive Instagram or TikTok following because these people have gone to greater lengths to sign up to allow you into their inbox. Think about how easy it is to hit follow on Instagram. It requires very little commitment from you. But for a newsletter, maybe you saw like a, someone was running a Facebook ad to a free download and you have to click on that and go to their sales page and decide like, do I want this enough that I'm willing to exchange my email address for it? There's a, a higher level of commitment when someone gives you their email address. Side note, I strongly, strongly suggest that you secure your audience members permission, explicit permission, before adding them to a newsletter list. Every once in a while, I will get what is clearly a newsletter blast from someone that I have exchanged like one-on-one -on -one correspondence with, uh, but I know I didn't sign up for their newsletter. And it feels weird to be added to a newsletter list that I did not give permission for. Um, and it's usually, honestly, it's usually like wedding industry professionals who like I sent them images from a wedding one time and then I got added to their newsletter list. Um, and I usually end up marking those emails as spam because I didn't sign up for them. And there's no unsubscribe button, which is really irritating to me. And that marking as spam can be problematic for the sender's deliverability, which just means making sure that your emails end up in the audience member's primary inbox, not in their spam folder. So make sure that people know they are opting into your newsletter and that they're giving you permission for it. And I'll say this, when I initially set out to write this episode of the podcast, my thought process was, I don't know that everyone does need a newsletter list. Like if you're not selling courses or products, if you're just selling services that are customized to each client, like brand photography, I don't know that there's a point to you having a newsletter list. But when I sat down to write and did some more research, I realized, honestly, I do think that everyone could benefit from this. That's not to say that everyone must have one, but as we go through this episode, like I want you to hear my thought process and this isn't me telling you, you need to drop everything and go start a newsletter list right now. But I do want you to understand the benefits that come Come from having a newsletter list, but also the commitment that you're making when you start one. Real quick, photographers, are you tired of lather, rinse, and repeating the same tired collection of forgettable photos from one brand session to the next? If you're ready to turn yawn-worthy galleries into the sort of results that thrill your clients and get you both noticed, then you're definitely going to want to join me for my free training, The Backstage Secret to Scroll-Stopping Brand Photography. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or you're just getting started out in the world of branding, this session is for you. I'll teach you my number one strategy for crafting stories that resonate with your clients and their audience, which is the biggest secret behind creating galleries that not only look stunning, but also drive engagement and sales for your clients, which, spoiler alert, is what keeps them coming back for additional sessions in the future. Because as brand photographers, purposeful matters more than pretty, but who says you can't have both? Our job is to think like a marketer and shoot like an artist, but you have to have both pieces of that equation. And learning to approach with the mindset of a strategist, that changes everything. So if you're raring to say goodbye to cliche galleries that simply repeat what's already clogging your Pinterest and social media, and hello to a method that drives brand loyalty and real bottom line growth, then head on over to abbygrace.co slash training. That's abbygrace.co slash training. It's time to leave those forgettable, smiling at a laptop photos in the dust in favor of a more tailored approach that's gonna leave your clients obsessed and already planning for their next shoot with you. One more time, that's abbygrace.co slash training. I'll see you in class.
Okay, so email is a really powerful tool. It's a direct line to your people, giving them a chance to buy something that they might want or need, but that it also gives you the chance to serve them with content that inspires, entertains, or educates. You're not competing here with a social media algorithm. You're just trying to make sure that your emails don't get sent to the promotions tab or worse, the spam folder. People's inboxes are busy, yes, but they are not generally as busy as their social media feeds. I think the last time I checked, I follow something like 900 accounts on Instagram. I am not subscribed to 900 newsletters. I'm probably subscribed to like 15 or 20, and like five of those I actually consistently open. So that email list is really useful when you are selling products or services, especially when you're selling them en masse, like a course or a digital product. They're also useful when you need to get a message or content out to many people at one time when it's not a customized message like I exchange with my branding clients. According to the Direct Marketing Association, the ROI on email marketing is about 4,300% in the US. And that's because these are warm leads. These are people who have told you they want to hear from you. It's a what we call a hand raise, someone saying like, yes, please sell to me. So an email list has the key benefit of being owned by you. You're not building a house on a rented piece of land like you do with social media platforms because I don't actually own my list of Instagram followers, Meta does, and they can change the game on me anytime they like, which you and I both know they have, they do, and they will continue to change the game because it's their platform and that's their prerogative. But by building a newsletter list, you're building on land you own. So no one can cancel your lease or limit the size of your house or tell you, no, you may not paint that room. If there's a huge meta outage again, you don't have to worry about how to reach your people. You've got their email addresses. There was a bill introduced in Congress in November of 2022 proposing that the U.S. ban TikTok because of concerns over how that data, over how user data is being collected and used overseas. So if you've built up a huge following on TikTok and you don't have any other way to get in touch with your followers, that piece of legislation could do a ton of damage to your ability to reach your people because you have built your house on rented land. But if you have an email list where you can also get in touch with those people, you're more likely to relax because you know that your ability to reach and sell to your audience is not dependent on whether or not that legislation gets passed. So here's the main point of this episode. I think in general, email lists are a wise investment of your time, but there has to be a reason for you to have a newsletter because I think far too often photographers go and start a MailChimp account and they start collecting email addresses only to have no idea what to do with them, which means they either end up being used sporadically, like whenever you need to sell something, which can damage the relationship with your audience if that's not what they're expecting, if they feel like you're only ever reaching out when you need money, (laughs) or what could end up happening is nothing. You never email, you never reach out, and there was no point to building the list in the first place, which means wasted time and effort. So let's put our journalism hat on for the next few minutes. I want to examine this with the five W's of who, what, where, when, and why. But we're going to go slightly out of order, starting with why. Because the most important question that you can consider when starting a newsletter is, why are we here? Why are you trying to reach your audience? Are you hoping to entertain, educate, inspire? Are you hoping to sell to your audience? Why do people need to hear from you? What is the end goal here? 
Are you trying to grow your pool of clients? Are you helping to sell digital resources to your peers? Do you have a physical product that you want to sell? Are you maybe interested in affiliate marketing partnerships and you want to use an email list to get those links in front of potential buyers? What is the point of this newsletter list? What are you hoping to gain or build with the email list? Because an email list is a form of marketing. So what are you trying to market? Why are we getting in touch at all? Next, who are you trying to reach? Are you trying to reach existing clients, students, potential clients? Who is it that needs to hear from you? Who is it that you can offer the most value to? My email list is almost exclusively geared towards photographers, not my brand clients, but potential and current students of my course, Brand Photography Academy, and of resources that we have inside our shop, which are geared towards brand photographers. Do some of my clients subscribe to my list? Yes, it actually 100% makes my week when I get a Voxer from Ashlyn saying, oh my gosh, your newsletters recently have been so good. And I'm like, you could put that on my tombstone. Ashlyn Carter said I was a good writer one time. Actually, she said it many times and every time it makes my day. But anyway, uh, so do some of my clients subscribe to my list? Yes, okay. But when I'm writing, I am not writing to my brand clients. I am writing for photographers to offer educational tips and resources for brand photography. But my trademark attorney, his email list is just his current and past clients. You don't get added to that list unless you work with him. On another side of things, one of my branding clients, Rachel Hudgens, she's an incredible family photographer based in New York. And Rachel doesn't just photograph once for her clients. Like she doesn't just do their senior pictures or just do their newborn portraits. She documents their kids' entire childhood, starting with those newborn portraits and then photographing them yearly, sometimes more frequently, all the way through their senior photos. Her work documents the legacy of someone growing up. And so I'm on Rachel's newsletter. I subscribed to it to do some brand research. And her email list is geared toward her family clients. Her emails advertise dates when she's going to be traveling to certain states because she photographs all over the U.S., sometimes traveling internationally to wherever her clients are on vacation at the time to photograph portraits there. Her emails also remind folks of when she's available for fall portraits, bringing up specific deadlines that they may want to keep in mind to make sure that they don't like miss their Christmas card photos. She also recounts conversations with past clients that illustrates the importance of having their kids' childhoods documented. And then she also showcases recent work. So that newsletter is meant to connect with past clients to keep her top of mind. If you want to use the list to educate your audience maybe on what's trending in the brand photography world or maybe you want to do a monthly roundup of new marketing lessons that you're seeing or you personally are learning, that could be a great way to keep your name top of mind for your clients who might need a second, third, maybe even fourth shoot in the future because Small plug for brand photography, this is one of the things that I love about having made the pivot from the wedding industry is that I had eight shoots this, no, make that nine shoots this year alone for past clients. And that's one of the best parts of being a brand photographer is when I deliver that first gallery, it's not usually the end of our relationship. So back to the email list, even if you're not running like sale periods, but if you just want a way to stay in front of your clients outside of simply commenting on their last reels and stories, that email list could be a great place to do it. 
Sarah Bradshaw, another one of my clients, she's a luxury wedding photographer, also happens to be a dear friend of mine. She does a really good job of this. She has a newsletter series aimed at fellow wedding vendors because a high percentage of her new wedding clients come by way of planner referrals. So her email series is a collection of helpful resources that she's found and she's loved, uh, observations that she's made on the state of the industry, book recommendations, and more. And all of those are aimed at wedding professionals, not brides. There's never a CTA there to send me bookings, please. It's just meant to be a helpful resource for her peers, helping Sarah stay top of mind for when those vendors are making recommendations for wedding photographers. Next, let's talk about the what. What is going to be inside of your emails? Consistency here plays a huge role in getting folks to open your emails. If you only ever email Once every three months, people are going to forget why they subscribed in the first place. They may even forget who you are, and they're going to flag your email as spam or unsubscribe. And I am all too familiar, let me just put this out there, all too familiar with starting with a head full of steam, only to fizzle out after a few weeks. For reference, go see my YouTube channel, which has not been updated in like three years. (laughs) So if you're going to start a list, I want you to map out your first 15 emails. Like what's the overall topic going to be for each of those emails? I spoke about this in the season one wrap up episode where I shared a few lessons learned from my first season of podcasting. So before we recorded a single episode for the podcast, I had the first season, all 12 episodes mapped out with an overall objective for the show and a topic for each of those 12 episodes within the season. So that way I could get started knowing I had at least a few months worth of content. And then that gave me the confidence, helped to create some momentum to move forward, knowing that I would have more ideas come to me as I got further into the show. I actually mapped out like, Anything I could possibly talk about on a podcast and came up with like 55 episode topics. And then when I sat down with the producer that we hired for our first season, uh, we took from that list and then whittled it down into 12. But like having a huge list to pull from gave me confidence moving forward. Hey, if we've got this many episodes for the first season, I can have relative confidence that I will be able to keep this thing going for a while here. I'll ask this again. Are you trying to educate, entertain, inspire, or sell? I do not mind being sold to via email. Selling is not gross, especially when it's a product that I'm interested in. My favorite skincare company, Biosense, Biosense? I don't know how to say it. They send me a lot of emails, like probably three emails a week. And all of those emails are selling something. Maybe it's a new product that they're pushing, a product spotlight on something from their existing line, or a roundup of the best collection of products for people who are struggling with X skin condition. And there's always a link to buy in every single email. But that doesn't bother me because I signed up for their emails wanting to be sold to. I want to know what promotions they're running. I want to know if my favorite rose oil is on sale because it doesn't go on sale very often and it's expensive. So if they're running a 30% discount, I want to be the first one to know about it. Cal Newport's email list, on the other hand, is quite different. He's the author of some of my favorite business books like Deep Work, Digital Minimalism, So Good They Can't Ignore You. You guys have heard me talk about all of these on the podcast before. Um, And his newsletter is almost purely educational. Maybe he'll send a few paragraphs on his developing thoughts about slow productivity uh, or a new idea that he's formulating about our dependence on social media. Sometimes he features other uh, authors or academics or successful 
successful business people uh, who are living what he calls the deep life. They're usually, his emails are almost usually like plain text format with like one photo at the top and it's like five paragraphs and I read the whole thing. And the only time he really sells in his newsletter is when he's just launched a book, which I always buy, so I want to know about that too. I think the point, overall point here is to, number one, establish for yourself what you want to achieve with each email that you're sending. And two, before you send those emails, inform your audience what to expect. And then tagging onto that, number three, follow through on that promise. So if you tell your audience to expect weekly tips and resources, but then you only email them twice a year when it's time for you to sell something, people are going to get annoyed and unsubscribe. If, on the other hand, you're telling people to sign up because they'll be the first to hear about discount periods, that sets the tone they expect to be sold to. So how do you inform your audience on what to expect? Simply include that on the opt-in form when people enter their email address. Something like, hey, get on the newsletter for my hot takes on industry trends or sign up for emails to get first dibs on travel dates or sign up to be the first to hear about promotional periods. Any of that, that's going to help set expectations and you can and also should address those expectations in the first email that they get after signing up for your newsletter list. Your Whatever email service you choose should have the ability to send some kind of automated email when they subscribe, just being like, hey, welcome to the newsletter. And in that email, you set expectations about what they're going to be receiving from you moving forward. Ashlyn Carter, she is the OG copywriter for creatives, one of my favorite clients, and she has a fantastic resource in her shop. It's the perfect welcome sequence. It's a series of seven email templates that you can use to welcome people and warm them up on your email list. We'll link to that in the show notes. We use that welcome sequence. So anybody who joins our email list goes through the welcome sequence to help set their expectations on what they're going to hear from me and how often, and to get them used to opening my emails, which include high quality education straight into their inbox. Next is where. Where do you host your email list? We've tried out a lot of different email services. I started on MailChimp in 2015, and then we moved over to, I think it was ActiveCampaign, and then after that, we went to ConvertKit, and after ConvertKit was Flowdesk, and right now, we are on FG Funnels, which I love. And based on our experience with all of those different services, the one that I recommend for people who are getting started is hands down, it's Flowdesk, F-L-O-D-E-S-K. It's the best one for anybody getting started. It's relatively intuitive, it's low fuss, and it's pretty, which matters a lot when you're a creative in a visual field. So if I love Flowdesk so much, why did we switch to FG Funnels? We switched because FG Funnels offers more in terms of like automated email sequences and tagging and funnel building, which the more the educational side of our business grows, the more that matters. But I also recognize that that is a more complex system than most service providers end up needing. Flowdesk made it super easy to get started and it got the job done for me for a long time. So that is where we send any creative who is looking to start an email list. We'll link that in the show notes too. All right, so we've done the why, the who, the what, the where, and finally there's the when. How often do you want to email? When are you going to send emails to your people? Again, consistency matters here because the more regular you are with your correspondence in general, the higher your open rates are going to be. And those high open rates are important because it signals to you how interested are people actually in reading what it is that I'm taking the time to send out. 
because people are accustomed to seeing your name in their inbox and and if there's valuable or entertaining content inside, they're going to grow used to opening your emails because there's some sort of reward waiting inside. Honestly, the consistency part is the biggest struggle for me. The main purpose of my email list outside of launch periods is to educate. I love sending emails about lessons I'm learning, resources I'm loving, and mistakes that I've made. But I also suffer from the curse of knowledge. Like after 13 years as a photographer, I've forgotten what it feels like to be a beginner. And so I assume that a quote unquote ordinary lesson that I've learned might be extraordinary to someone else. And this is where it's helpful to start with that list of 15 ideas. I keep a card in our task management software, Trello, with ideas for newsletter topics. Sometimes they come to me when I'm doing my makeup. Sometimes they come to me when I'm out on a walk with my kids. Sometimes they come to me in the office. But whenever they do, I head over to that Trello board real quick and jot it down just so I don't forget it. And I can always click over to that if I'm struggling to come up with a content idea. I know some business owners who email twice a week and then others who email twice a month. My goal personally is once a week outside of launch periods with high quality educational content. And I think, I know that I mentioned I struggle with this consistency, with the consistency aspect of things, but I think I may have finally found a system that makes that consistency a reality. Uh, It's an approach that I learned at our last mastermind get together, but I don't want to share about it quite yet, not because I'm trying to be secretive or anything. I just want to test drive the approach first and see how it works, you know, see how sustainable it is before I immortalize it here on the podcast. (laughs) So the, the TLDR of this episode is, yes, I do think most business owners would benefit from having an email list if for no other reason than it is real estate owned by you, that it is not reliant on ever-changing algorithms. Martha Batar, she's the CEO and founder of Flowdesk, she had this to say on the issue, quote, if you think of email, it doesn't matter if you're a hobbyist candle maker or you're Amazon, you're going to get the exact same spot in the inbox, end quote. And once you're ready to get moving, put your process through the five W's of why, who, what, when, and where, and you will be on your way to a solid marketing avenue to a group of people who are anxious to hear from you. Your homework today, if you're not already on my list, go to abbygrace.co slash podcast and join the newsletter fam. You'll get to see my new approach in action, and you'll also be privy to the how-tos, lessons learned, and resources that I send only to my list. Coming up in the next episode, we'll be talking about how to stop working during vacation. With the holidays approaching, this is really important if you're someone who yearns to disconnect from work and enjoy that time with your family without feeling like work is always waiting in the background. I'm going to be sharing how I prep for both short stints away from the desk, like a 40 weekend, as well as longer breaks like we take over Christmas and New Year's. All of that inside episode nine of the Artisan CEO podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, remember to hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode and head over to abbygrace.co slash podcast for even more resources to help you blow your clients away at your very next brand shoot. I'm Abby Grace, and I'll see you next time. Now, let's go get after it, shall we?